0: What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, and uh, this is a story that many of you heard before. So you want to be, continue to, to, to ask God to, to, to help you to give you fresh insight, to, to open up your eyes so that you can really see. So give you ears to hear so that you can hear what the Spirit is saying. But with that being said, let us go to verse 1. It says, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Now, Caesar Augustus was a a Roman ruler. He was in charge of Rome at the time. And the decree was that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria and all, and I want you to highlight that word, all went to be registered each to his own town. Now, if we don't know some backstory to this, Rome had come in and conquered Israel. Israel did not like Rome there, Israel did not want Rome there, and the Jewish people were under occupation. There was an uproar in the nation. You see in verse 3, it says all. That means that every Israelite had to leave their home and go to where their family was from. Do you think that that made them happy? No. It probably upset them. It probably angered them because, listen, we don't like to be forced to do something we don't want to do, do we? At least I know I don't. Now, imagine even worse, being forced by your enemies, being forced by your enemies. And so... This Roman law was so intense that if you did not say Caesar is Lord, that he is Lord, guess what? You're thrown into the Colosseum, you're persecuted, you're eaten by wild beasts. This was a brutal, forceful dictatorship. There was even racism going on. Racism? Yeah, racism. Jesus spoke to this in Matthew chapter 5 when it says, If your enemy asks you to go one mile, you go two miles. If he asks you to carry your things one mile, you go two miles. Well, the law was that a Roman soldier had the authority to tell a Jew, hey, you Jew, come here. I want you to carry my stuff one mile. Think about that for a second, being forced to carry somebody's stuff for one mile. You Jew, that's racism. That's unjust law. That's discrimination. And here's what Jesus said. Go two miles. Wow. Go two miles. That's how we can bless our enemies. But understand, Jesus was a baby, and he hadn't taught his people that yet. The anger, the injustice. Now, the racism just didn't go one way. It actually went another way. The other way? Yeah. If you read Acts chapter 10, Peter, he says this when he goes into a Roman's house. This is what he says. Verse 28. You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone under another nation. And so, how the Jewish felt about the Romans man, these people eat pork, they're nasty. They're occupying us. Uh, They are sinful. They are wicked. They are pagan. And so the racism just didn't go one way. It went both ways. That's what was going on when Jesus was born. In fact, if you like the movie Home Alone, one of the scenes where he's in the hotel and there's a show on, And he keeps playing it. You filthy animal. Say that. You filthy animal. Yeah, that's how the Jews felt about the Romans. You filthy animal. That was a stretch, Mark uh, Caldwell, to tie that in to the text in my exegesis. Imagine the occupation, the racism, and not only that, but you're being forced to register your pregnant wife. Verse 4 of Luke chapter 2, And Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, ladies, especially the ladies that have popped out a couple babies from the oven, imagine this. Imagine what this was like. The journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem was about 90 miles. Uh, No car, rugged terrain, hills, not Florida. And scholars believe it took about eight hours a day of walking, so it would have taken them four days. Now, if she was pregnant, it probably took a little bit longer. So imagine the oppressive, racist ruler forcing my pregnant wife to do this at this time. This week, there's a song, it's the most wonderful time of the year. For some of us, it's not. Because for some of us, our families have been shattered, there's tension. There's unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment. And we're forced to be with people. You can pick your nose, you can't pick your family. There's kids in here, guys, I'm trying to... Don't pick your nose, kids. The shopping lines... The workers that are overworked and tired and they're not respecting me because I'm here and you should be serving me. I'm paying you money. I need some appreciation. I also need some competence. The pressure to cook, the pressure for presents, the pressure to get the little card out that I forget about every year. Hey, right right now, just go on your calendar and put November 30, send the Christmas card out. Just do it in advance. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. Those, those people irritate you. Their, their card comes before Thanksgiving. But see, why is it irritating? Because I they catch me every year catch me every year. They're on their game. They have everything in order. So for some of us that are planners, hey, it is the most wonderful time of the year. But a lot of us that are slackers like me, it's not the most wonderful because of the pressure and the parties and everything that's happening. There's this rush. Imagine though, imagine being pregnant with a baby and having to travel 90 miles without a car. Imagine that. So right now, listen, Those of you who've been complaining about the most wonderful time of the year, just simply say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm not in Mary's situation. And he's a God that forgives. Luke 2, 6. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. So again, if we go back and we think about this, can you imagine what that was like for Mary? Were there tears because my precious baby that I've been waiting for is being put in a feeding trough, and I'm surrounded by a bunch of animals. Joseph, I told you to take that turn back there. Joseph, I told you to make reservations. I appreciate that. (laughs) Joseph, if we just would have left on time a week earlier, like I said, we wouldn't be in this situation. Now, I'm sure Mary the Magnificent didn't do that. But then, then again, maybe she did. Maybe she did. You see, what this story represents and and what this good news represents is that there's imperfect people in the world that deal with frustrations and oppression and racism and different things like that differently. And sometimes we get into our feelings and sometimes we get into our emotions and God understands that. But in the midst of it all, he's there, he's moving, he's here, he's coming despite the circumstances. This is God with us. We come together at Christmas time and we sing the song, silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, whatever round yon means. (laughs) Mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heaven. Oh, it's just so beautiful. Unfortunately, not biblical. From the standpoint, it wasn't silent. It wasn't silent. It wasn't peaceful. The taverns were full of people being forced by their oppressors to do something that they didn't want to do. They were posted up at the bar with red hats that said, make Israel great again. And they're plotting and planning over a couple beverages saying, hey, let's plan this thing on January 6th. We'll call it the insurrection. Did he go there? Yeah, I did. Merry Christmas. Actually, Rome would have been planning it, right? Anyway. Both sides. Joke. Both sides. Okay. Anyway. Here's the deal. The turmoil that was going on. The oppression, the pain that was going on. In the midst of this. In the midst of this. It wasn't silent on earth. There was an uproar. But the But the other thing is, it wasn't silent in heaven. It wasn't silent in heaven. Let's go to Luke 2 8, please. Which you should be there. It says, In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Imagine that, the awe, the wonder. And the angel said to them, fear not, behold, I bring you good news. And you might wanna highlight that, good news of great joy that will be for all the people, all the people for unto you born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Man, this is good news for all. Good news for all. You see two words there in 11. There is a Savior, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Who's Christ the Lord. We understand that we are people in need of a savior. Scripture declares in Romans 3:23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's all of us in here. Scripture also says in Romans 6:23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we understand that we make mistakes. We understand in life that we've messed up. So this need for a Savior, this Savior is here. This is really good news for the one that's convinced they need a Savior. Not only do I need a Savior to die for my sins and, and take my place on the cross, but I also need a Savior that will constantly save me from myself, do you know I'm my worst enemy? Uh, when when I went for like 0 for thirty on females, I finally got tired of that, and I said, "Okay, Lord, you pick them out because I can't pick them. I need a savior." when I got tired of trying to build my own life and, and fulfill the goals and the plans and the dreams that I came up with, and I kind of came to the end of that, and I said, okay, Jesus, I surrender. Save me from myself. I want to follow you. Man, he saves me. He's still saving me. So not only from save from my sins, but saved right now. Like even today, God, help me not to say something dumb. Help me not to glory in my flesh because you said no flesh glory in my my presence. And oh God, we don't want to grieve your presence so we don't want to do anything in our flesh. And so in verse 11, you see a savior. We need a savior, but also there's that word Lord. There's that word Lord. And many of us, and this is, this is where the rubber meets the road, most of church folk, we're good with the Savior. We're good for Jesus died for my sins, and if I put my faith in him and what he did on the cross, he'll forgive my sins, he'll cleanse me of all unrighteousness, and he will save me. But what we're not, if we're being honest, is lordship. Lordship. Why? That's a long answer. There's multiple things that it could be. It could be that I don't trust him, that if I really allowed him to be Lord, I don't trust that he is good in his heart. Some of us don't like to wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait? No, I don't want to wait. I got to do what I got to do. And so lordship is really hard for those who want what they want when they want it. Some of us, we've been wounded by authority. The church, parents, school, teacher, whatever. So we have a hard time when somebody starts messing with my authority of my life that I'm willing to surrender that up. So whatever it is, I can tell you this as I stand in Christ. I've never, ever regretted surrendering to Jesus as Lord of any area of my life. We are concerned with what it's going to cost me. What am I gonna have to give up? And I can tell you, I've never ever met anybody who truly surrendered it all and regretted that decision. Why? because he's Lord, but he is so good as Lord. He is king, so you and I, we don't have to be king anymore. We can surrender and allow him to be king of our lives, meaning that he's in control. I'm not in control, and this is exciting because the God that spilled his blood to have me, the God that gave his life up to have me in his arms is gonna continue to lead me and guide me, and I don't ever have to worry ever again in my life because he's in charge. I've relinquished control. Have you done that? Josh McDowell says this, he is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. When you say he's my Lord, is it lip service or are you going through the motions? Do you really mean it sincerely? Josephine? if you could put up this prayer. I'm not going to have you pray it. Because we don't want to do something as a big crowd, and then on Christmas Eve, you're lying to Jesus. But I want you to just close your eyes, and I'm going to read it. And if you do believe it in your heart, yes, Jesus, be Lord. Just simply whisper that to him. Yes, Jesus, be Lord. If you don't, then don't pray it and just say, I can't do that, God. And understand he is a good God that comes into that and he'll begin to unpeel the onions of your life and expose why you can't relinquish control in that area. This is the thing. He wants Lord of every area, but some of us will give this, this, and this, but not this. And and some of us have strongholds in our lives or lies in our lives. And so let's go ahead and bow our, our, our head bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord Jesus, I reaffirm you now as the Lord in the whole of my life. Lord of my human spirit and all my spiritual awareness and worship. I want you to be Lord of my mind, my attitudes, my thinking, my beliefs, and my imagination. I want you to be Lord of my emotions and the expression of the feelings that I have. I want you to be Lord of my will and all my decisions all my decisions. I want you to be Lord of my body, my physical health, my exercise, my diet, my rest, and my appearance. Be Lord. Be Lord, Jesus. Lord of my sexuality and its expression. Lord of my family and all of my relationships, Lord of my work, Lord of my material goods and my needs, Lord of my finances, Lord of my plans, my ambitions, and my future, Lord of my life, and the timing of my physical death. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you truly say that and sincerely say that to Jesus with all of your heart? Or are there things that are there? Listen, listen. And this is where grace comes in. It comes in when we say, you know what, God, I, I, I just can't, especially that diet one. I got a Christmas party, and we'll talk about that January, Lord. Lord? Lord? The good news for all is that he's Savior and he's Lord. He's Lord. Verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger and suddenly, There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praying God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Again, it wasn't silent in heaven. There was this excitement that the time had come. The King of kings and the Lord of Lord has come into the world fulfilling the plans of God. Verse 15, and when the angels went away from them, from the shepherds, they said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem. And I want you to highlight Bethlehem, please. And see the things and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Now, I'd like you to uh, keep your place here. We'll be coming back to it to finish up, but I want you to go to Micah chapter two, Micah chapter two, excuse me, Micah chapter five, verse two. Micah chapter five, verse two. Micah is an Old Testament book that was written five to seven hundred years before Christ was born. This is a historical fact. It's not a debatable thing that this book was written before Christ was born because of the Hebrew Bible being translated to Greek language 400 years before Christ was born, which is called the Septuagint. That was written prior to Christ being born, and Micah 5 two was in that book. So this prophecy, and by the way, Jesus fulfilled 300 prophecy, and, and for a prophecy it means this, that you say something's going to happen tomorrow, and it happens. Jesus fulfilled 300 prophecies, over 300. And this is one of them right here, Micah 5.2. In fact, in the Christmas story in, in, in Matthew chapter 2, Herod was asking the priests and the scribes, hey, where is this Christ going to be born? And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, so it's written by the prophet Micah. And so they themselves even pointed back to this book. This is where Christ would be born. But you, O Bethlehem, Micah 5.2, what's that word? I don't know. Who are little to be among the clans of Judah, From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from the ancient of days. You can put Daniel chapter 7, ancient of days, ancient of days. Who's the ancient of days? How can a ruler be born in Bethlehem that is ancient of days? Well, it's because Christ Jesus is God. He's God. Verse three, therefore he shall give them up into the time where she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. In John chapter 10, when Jesus pulls up on the scene, he says, I am the good shepherd. What was he saying? I am the one that was spoken of right here. I am that one. I am that shepherd. I'm a good shepherd who lays his life down. For the sheep. And so understand this that our King, He is shepherding us who acknowledge Him as Savior and Lord. We're being shepherded in the strength of the Lord, the majesty of the name of the Lord His God, and they will dwell secure, for He shall be great to the ends of the earth, and He shall be their peace. Jesus is the prince of peace and this was foretold by the prophet before christ was born of where he would be born in bethlehem it's interesting to note that when you hear bethlehem the word means house of bread house of bread say that house of bread jesus said this I am the bread that comes where? Down from heaven. I'm the bread that comes down from heaven. And so this Bethlehem, this house of bread, even he told us when we pray, hey, give us our day, our daily what? bread right and so when we look for bread when we look to bethlehem we have to understand it's a heavenly thing it's a heavenly thing that's coming down and so in the first part of the passage that we read in luke and let's go back to luke two sixteen, and we'll be done um the 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 the, the first part is like everything that's kind of going on the oppression the racism the the trial the struggle the birth the walking the the labor pains being born in the manger but then heaven breaks in. Heaven breaks in. And these shepherds, they look heavenly. They look to the hills from where their help comes from, the maker of heaven and earth. They begin to see the glory of the angels that are singing, and they're, they're worshiping God. And so they're, they're focused heavenly, and they believe the word, and they went to visit this child. And they didn't just do it slowly. of of Luke chapter two, they went with haste, they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and a baby living in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. But Mary, and I love this part, she treasured up these things pondering them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising god for all that they had seen and heard as it had been told to them so here's some things that i want you to just ask the lord some takeaways some application first thing is this are you the kind of person that treasures, treasures and ponders the things of God, the things of God like Mary? Again, Mary did know, but you can tell at your own time, go ahead and read Luke 1, where Mary has this prayer, and this prayer comes from a place of treasuring and pondering God's word. She loved God. When the angel broke in, you highly favored one. She loved God's word. She pondered. Would you just ponder the things of Jesus this Christmas? Would you ponder his birth? Would you ponder his death? Because he came to not only show us what it was like to be human, but he also came to die for our sins. Would you ponder that? Not only that, but he came to rule as king of kings and lord of lord. Would you ponder that? would you treasure that in your heart when you look at the shepherds they were with fear and awe and shepherds like that wasn't a good job back in the day shepherds were usually looked down upon kind of outcast people but the angels showed up. Heaven broke in. Heaven showed up. And look at how they returned. They returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. They were focused on what was going on from heaven. They were focused on the, provi- the promises of God. They weren't focused on Rome, the occupation, the racism, the injustice. They were focused on heaven. And as they were leaving, there was pep in their step. Why? Because they were fixed heavenly. What about you this Christmas? What about you? Some of us could have used this last week. We spent a long time complaining in lines, haven't we? Looking at the lines and not looking at heaven. The amazing thing about Micah 5.2 Jesus prophesied to be born in Bethlehem is that there was a Caesar, a pagan, ungodly king that was ruling and reigning, in control. Joseph and Mary weren't where they were supposed to be. They were in Nazareth. If prophecy had to be fulfilled, they had to somehow get to Bethlehem. Again, I I can't wait to get to heaven. I got so many questions. How about you? Joseph, were you mad? Were you upset? Were you complaining? Were you just irritated? Mary, were you telling Joseph you don't know how to drive a donkey? What what was going on? Like, I can't wait. But in all of that mess, God comes and he says, hey, I need to move you from here to here. Because my word is true. I will accomplish my word. That's why Isaiah 55, 11 says this. So the word goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return void. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. That's what Jesus said. And so God had to fulfill his word, and he moved through a wicked Caesar. To make a decree that nobody liked to get Jesus where he needed to be because the Bible had to be fulfilled. So, I don't care where you are in your situation, I don't care if you got the worst boss of all time. Some of you, hopefully, are not thinking about me right now. Pray for your enemy. Pray for your enemy. your situation, your circumstance, racism, discrimination, oppression. Listen, get off of the natural. Get in to a heavenly mindset where you're fixed upon, God coming. He gave Christ the child to be born as King of kings and Lord of lords. And guess what? Guys, he's here with us now, ruling and reigning. So whatever's going on in the natural Listen, we are supernatural people walking with and in the King of kings and Lord of lords, which means if he is for me, who or what can be against me? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And this is the good news of Christmas, that the God of all creation, he broke in and he broke through and he did what he was going to do despite anyone. And he can't be stopped. This is the king we serve. This is the God who loves you, who gave his one and only son because he loves you. He loves you. So I pray this text would come alive for you, would come alive for us. If you are here today and you're a person that has never repented of your sins, and said, "God, I, I've sinned against you, a holy God. I acknowledge I've sinned. Please forgive me. I want to begin to follow you, Jesus, as my my. I need you to save me. Jesus wants to do that. That's why He came. He came to save us from our sins. And some of you are here today, and you've been coming to church for years, and you're good with the savior stuff. You got the fire insurance. Whoo!" No, listen, Lord, Lord, justifying, put that, that, that prayer back up, please. Lord, are there things you don't want to let go of? Look, this is why we have prayer partners, because we don't want an emotional altar call. We want you to sit and sit before the Lord and say, oh God, search my heart, know me. If there is anything, anything not right in me, lead me. And see, when he convicts and there's that thing there, all of a sudden you come in and you confess to a prayer partner because here's the thing, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. That's just not physical sickness, guys. That's a sickness of the heart where I love myself more than I love God. I love this more than I love you. And when you begin to be honest with God about that, he comes in. He comes in and he begins to transform you because he is Lord. He's Lord of all, and he's not going to stop. He's not going to stop. He's going to keep coming. Maybe you've been downcast in this season because of family situations, because of job situations. Again, we have prayer partners up here that want to pray for you because we want to say, Jesus, We look to you. We we, we look to you. Help us to rise above what's going on in our life and to focus on you and your glory. Let's go ahead and bow for a word of prayer. Father, as we close in song, as we celebrate this time of the year, Lord, would you come? Would you come and have your way? We just welcome you, God. We welcome you to do what what you want to do right now as you are Lord in this place. And I pray, God, that the good news of the gospel, the good news of your love, your love demonstrated that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Your love demonstrated by giving your one and only son, Jesus, to be born. We celebrate the greatest gift, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I just pray, God, that you would help everyone here just be drawn to you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for what you have done. Be blessed by our worship now as we kiss towards heaven, as we join with the angels. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.